you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In the U.S., we've had to deal with super spreader churches who absolutely refuse to respect public health by holding meetings online. They insist, even though they don't have to, that they want to make the world more vulnerable and get more people killed. South Korea was dealing with something similar in the early days of their outbreak. A cult known as Shincheonji was intentionally spreading the virus as much as possible. Where does Shincheonji stand now? Donald Trump declared churches essential businesses and ordered them to open this weekend. Does he have the power to do that? What happens next? Is this all a ploy to get evangelical support or does he actually give a shit about churches? I consider the Republican Party to be a death cult. Not conservatives but the Republican Party in the United States. Some evangelical Christian congressmen have left the party. Let's take a look at the reasons these people cited for leaving. So if you guys have been following me on Twitter, you are fully aware of what's happening with um, the whole copyright situation, copyright strike situation. And it hasn't actually entered lawsuit territory yet, so I'm going to explain to you guys what's been happening up to this point. I reacted to this chick on YouTube, this Mormon chick, right? Reacted to her assessment of Mormonism or whatever on my channel. Really popular videos, getting like 150,000 views somewhere in that vicinity. That's pretty big. That's reasonably big for my channel. I did three videos on her. She issued copyright strikes against me, claiming that I reposted her videos, which is not true. It was fair use. Fair use applies in criticism, news reporting, or parody cases. This was very clearly criticism. I did not repost anything. I didn't even use her entire video. I just addressed segments of the things that she said I played it out for people to hear, and then I discussed my feelings on it and why I think that that's absolutely ridiculous. I emailed her, basically, and asked her to take the copyright strikes down because it was clearly within fair use territory, and she said, you mocked my beliefs. I'm not taking anything down. So now she has admitted on paper this isn't about whether or not it's a copyright issue. It's about revenge. She's doing this out of revenge. She wants to get back at me for talking about Mormonism. That's what it's really about. She's trying to hurt me because she doesn't like the things that I said, and she's using the legal system for something it was not intended to be used for to hurt me. So I've been on YouTube for four or five years, a long time, right? And YouTube's rules have changed a lot over that period of time. I, I don't always get an opportunity to keep up with YouTube's rules or the changes or, or whatever else. So when I discovered that there was a change in the way the copyright infringement stuff works, I was intrigued. Yesterday I said, if you don't remove these copyright strikes. I'm going to sue you. I don't have the kind of money just lying around to do something like that. And I don't really want to go through a GoFundMe to do this or whatever, but I know a lot of people and I figure maybe I can get a deal on a lawyer or, or work with one that I know through YouTube or something to at least get started and make payments or something. So I had full intentions of suing her, right? And I said to her, if you don't take this down, I'm going to sue you because I have lost revenue. Like my revenue dropped 
by 50%, my views dropped by 50% because of this frivolous bullshit, you know, copyright claim. And she said, oh, I'm not afraid of your lawsuit. Yeah, go ahead, basically. And I was like, okay. So I, I just didn't respond again after that. I was like, if that's how she wants to play it, then I'm just going to go through the court system. Fuck it. So today I get a message from her basically saying, your troll army is attacking me and harassing me and causing problems. So I'll make you a deal. If you never talk about my channel or debunk my videos or whatever ever again on your channel, then I will remove the copyright strikes. And I was like, okay, you know what? She's nobody. Like, why do I even give a shit? Fine. I'll take that deal. I'll never debunk her videos again on my channel. And she'll remove the copyright strikes. I've got a, a billion Mormon channels to talk about if I want. So I, I said, okay, deal. And I'll, I'll tell my troll army, my fans, to leave you alone once you remove those copyright strikes. Like, just... It's been settled. We'll move on with our lives. Not going to talk about it anymore. I got to thinking, I, you know what? Something is a little fishy about this because then she says, don't worry about it. This stuff always blows over anyways. Always? So this isn't the first time this has happened? She said her reason for doing this is because my troll army, quote unquote, is attacking her. So does she want me to ask my fans to leave her alone or not? What's the deal here? What's going on? So I said to her, um, okay, just remove the copyright strikes and we'll be done with this. But I got to researching it through YouTube and I discovered that there's actually a little bit more to the story. So this is the basically the copyright... Uh, rules from YouTube, the, like the procedure you follow if you're dealing with copyright situation. Somebody submits a copyright claim against you, a strike, a copyright strike against you. The next steps that you have are to basically file a counter notification, a counter claim against them. And here's what happens after that. Once, this is what YouTube says, once they receive my counterclaim, which I did submit, I did submit a counterclaim. Once we receive this info, we'll process your counter notification and forward it to the claimant. The claimant will have 10 business days to provide evidence that they've initiated a court action to keep the content down. This time period is a requirement of copyright law, so please be patient. I submitted a, a counter notification to this chick, and that means she has to go to a court courthouse with a lawyer and basically file paperwork to legally prevent YouTube from bringing my video back up. And if she doesn't do that and provide proof that she did that within 10 days, they're just going to lift the strikes anyways. I could have done literally just filed the counter notification and, and nothing else. And these strikes would have been lifted unless she decides to sue me, which I, I'd be okay with that. I'd actually be okay with that. Um, I, I would be okay with litigating this through court. I'd really rather not because I don't really have that kind of money lying around, but I would, I would dig it up. I'd find it. I would do whatever. I mean, you know, I would sell extra stuff on my store. I'd just work my ass off to get the money for it. I don't feel like it's right for this process to play out the way that it seemed to have been playing out. So I would have found a way to make it work one way or another. But anyway, none of this is going to make it in the final video. I just was really glad to see that play out the way it is and glad to see YouTube's changes. It didn't used to be like that. Like I have had companies like file claims against my channels or my videos or whatever that were 100% bogus, like not even a grain of truth to it. They were just some random companies pulling up random YouTube videos and 
claiming copyright stuff on them. Nothing to do with the video. And these companies are just claiming that they stole intellectual property and forcing them to to take them down. I don't know why companies used to do that shit. Like, I've had a few of those before. Completely baseless claims. Didn't have anything from that company in the video. Yeah, I guess YouTube saw that that was actually a problem and decided to fix it. So, glad to see that they've taken those steps. Anyway. Let's listen to some voicemails. Don't forget, if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. That's 1-800-701-8573. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hey, this is Angel Palacios um, from Texas, South Texas. Um, I, I watch your channel for religiously yeah, so to speak <laughs> anyways well i've been an atheist since i was 27 i'm 35 going on 36 now i was uh, raised catholic and actually attended other christian sex and stuff but uh yeah i'd like to ask you a question um how do you deal with uh someone you're involved with that's still spiritual non-religious but you know she still holds on to those beliefs you know and uh sometimes you butt heads over beliefs like that and this is a person that you know i'm really involved with and you know we're actually you know gonna take it you know take our relationship for the long run you know till death do us part so you know i was just wondering about that you know because i tend to have you know a few i tend to run into a couple of dead ends from time to time but anyways yeah well how would you react to that you know anyways just a quick thought about that <laughs> love your channel by the way it's awesome <laughs> watch it all the time Thank you. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Here's the thing. Um, when I was first kind of leaving religion, when I like first got this fellowshiped, I was with a girl who is my daughter's mom now, Kylie's mom. I was with her for years. I mean, she saw me exit the religion, but I still believed it for a really, really long time. I still believed it for like years after leaving the religion. And I, d I learned that there's a limit to what you should accept in a relationship. But in a large part, relationships really are about compromise. Like that's what it's all about, is learning to compromise and work with each other and accept things about each other. If you're trying to change somebody, you've already failed. If you want to change who they are fundamentally, if you want to change something about them, you've failed from the get-go. You shouldn't be trying to change them. You should be accepting them for who they are. So now you have a question in front of you. Is, are, you are you ready to live the rest of your life with this person the way they are? Let me give you some examples of some things that you shouldn't accept uh, that may not necessarily be a deal breaker, though. When I was leaving Jehovah's Witnesses, I had a huge problem with blood transfusions. My ex was not in any medical danger, but she told the hospital that she didn't want a blood transfusion, even though she didn't need one. She just told them that to comfort me. That was really nice of her to do. It was the wrong decision. She shouldn't have accepted that. 
she should not have accepted that. But on the other hand, there were compromises that were nice and acceptable at the same time. For example, she didn't want my mom taking my daughter to the Kingdom Hall. If you want her to learn about Jehovah's Witnesses, then you have to teach her. I don't want your mom teaching her about it. I want you to teach her about it. And her reasoning behind that was she knew that I didn't really, I wasn't really fully invested in the religion anymore anyway, so I wasn't going to teach her anyways. Um, but she was still okay with her learning it as long as it was me doing it. That was one compromise that my ex and I came to uh, that was acceptable. You have to find the limits of your relationship and understand that in the event your significant other is dead set on something that you just can't live with, you might have to call it. I mean, I don't know your relationship. I don't know you or the person in great detail, so I can't really say. But uh, don't compromise on too much. Don't refuse a blood transfusion, for example. I hope things work out with it. And I'm glad that you have somebody with whom you're willing to spend the rest of your life. That's actually pretty special. Hey, Owen, it's Christopher, and I'm up in Washington, grew up in Utah, and I faked my faith. I didn't fake it. I tried to make it work for a really long time being a Mormon, uh, trusting everybody else's testimony. And eventually I realized I was just far more of a, like a, I don't know, a scientist. Uh, I don't know. Now I'm an agnostic atheist. My question is this. How do you tell the difference between somebody who has schizophrenia and somebody who believes in a God if you're looking at a bunch of people who believe in God? Like how, how do they test for that? Because you can't tell a difference. It's just one's convinced themselves and the other one's been convinced by a mental disorder. I know there's a difference. But how do they diagnose between the two? Maybe it's not that interesting. But anyway, thanks for listening. There is an answer to your question, and I appreciate you asking because it's an interesting answer, I think. You may actually know this already, uh, but others may not. So I'm just going to explain it just for the audience who may be unaware of this. But there's this book called the DSM-5. It stands for Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition. This is the book. This is what it looks like. I actually had the schizophrenia section pulled up, but basically it describes every mental disorder that we know of in great detail, and it explains how to diagnose those mental disorders. So let me pull up the schizophrenia section here. So schizophrenia spectrum and other psychotic disorders. Something that a lot of people are unaware of is schizophrenia is actually a spectrum of disorders. Uh, bipolar disorder actually falls on that spectrum. They're on the same spectrum. Bipolar disorder and schizophrenia are. Uh, there are a number of ways to diagnose schizophrenia, but here's bipolar and related disorders since it's under the same umbrella as schizophrenia. And here are the diagnostic criteria, I believe. Bipolar disorder is basically where you have manic and depressive episodes where you're, you're acting like you're on coke for some undetermined amount of time. And then you get really, really down and depressed and tired. And then you get manic again, like all excited, like you're on coke again and just running around doing spending sprees and stuff like that. 
and then you're down again. When I was younger, my parents weren't completely destitute. Like they had an income. Like my dad got social security because he was disabled and my mom worked for a call center. So we had money. Uh, we were making like two or $3,000 a month, I think when I was a little kid, but my parents were both bipolar and so my dad would go on a spending spree. He would take all of the money. He'd get manic one month. He'd take all the money and spend it on shit. And we would have no money for food. And so my mom would take over the bills so that that didn't happen again. The next month, my mom would go manic and spend all the money. And we'd have no money for food. I was eating like buttered bread for weeks at a time. Buttered bread and water. That's all I had to eat for weeks, months. It was not healthy because they were just blowing through our money because of their spending sprees. And of course, I was isolated for a good portion of my childhood because I was a Jehovah's Witness and I wasn't allowed to hang out with people who weren't other Jehovah's Witnesses and I was homeschooling. So the only people I had to talk to were two bipolar people who went on spending sprees or depressive episodes where they just lay in bed 24-7. It was not, not a good situation, but anyway... The DSM-5 diagnoses people with bipolar disorder, uh, depressive disorders, uh, schizophrenia, anxiety disorders, all kinds of things like that. I haven't looked at the schizophrenia section in a while. Bear in mind, I did go to school for psychology, so I have kind of read through this. I don't think I've read the entire thing, but I've, I've read through lots of this, lots of sections of this book, and... I think that one of the criteria for schizophrenia is visual hallucinations at least three times per month. Like I said, it's been a, a long time since I've read it, but it's very, very specific in how it diagnoses schizophrenia. People who claim to talk to God and things like that, what they're describing does match some of the symptoms that are listed in the DSM-5 under some of these disorders, but it's not all of the symptoms listed under this one disorder. So we know for a fact that it's not schizophrenia because they don't have visual hallucinations or, or things like that. There's a lot to schizophrenia too. It's not just hallucinations. There, it, there are actual personality changes like paranoia and things like that. When we come back, we're going to be talking about South Korea dealing with a cult who specifically set out to be virus super spreaders. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. This article is by Terry Firma on the Friendly Atheist website. The title is Korean Cops Raid COVID Spreading Church, Sects Leaders Face Homicide Charges. That was a mouthful of a title. Let's give this a read and see what it says. More evidence of the superior morality that religion bestows on its followers comes to us from South Korea. 
This is a quote. Prosecutors raided facilities of Xinjiangji, a minor religious sect, on Friday as part of their ongoing probe into allegations that the group hindered state efforts to contain the new coronavirus in the early stages of the pandemic. Some 100 investigators took part in the raids into the secretive group's branches nationwide to seize materials in connection with the charges brought against the group's founder, Lee Man Hee. The raid marks the prosecution's first forcible investigation into the group since February, when a group of people who claimed to be victims of the religious group filed a complaint against the 89-year-old Lee for embezzlement, dereliction of duty, and violation of infectious disease prevention laws. Oh, wow. Yeah, we covered this cult a while back, like when all of this was actually taking place back in February, I talked about this, and I read a little bit about the cult from the Freedom of Mind database, which is Stephen Hassan's database of cults, comes um, straight from the guy who wrote the Byte model. He has a particular interest in Korean cults because he came from the Moonies, which is another Korean cult. So it, it doesn't surprise me that he had a database containing this cult in it, but this is most definitely a cult. I find it interesting that when they mentioned this group, they said it's a minor religious sect. It's most definitely a cult. There is no question about it. I, I should do a full-blown um, bite model breakdown of it on my channel sometime soon. Kind of a shame I haven't done that yet, but anyway. Let's continue reading here. Shincheonji's central theology is that Lee, which is Lee Man He, the leader, Lee is the second coming of Jesus Christ. He has made his followers believe that the Bible consists chiefly of mysterious metaphors that only he can decipher. I find it fascinating that an East Asian country like South Korea has Christian cults. Like It's such a hotbed for Christian cults. Um, you wouldn't think that there would be very many Christian groups out there connected to East Asian countries, but sure enough, lots of Christian groups out there in East Asian countries, weirdly. Let's continue reading. Shincheonji's central theology is that Lee is the second coming of Jesus Christ. He has made his followers believe that the Bible consists chiefly of mysterious metaphors that only he can decipher. That particular derangement is perhaps harmless, but we can't say the same for the sect's behavior after the initial cases of COVID-19 came to light. Here's another quote. As the disease spread among Shincheonji's members and thousands of others, the group's founder and leaders refused to get tested, citing their religious beliefs to privacy, resulted in a national outcry against the group. Shincheonji members also resisted government attempts at tracking the spread of pandemic and implementation of social distancing rules. They did it first, and it was a huge, big deal. And, and then the, I remember this, the leader came out and was like, yeah, we're cooperating. We understand this is serious. We apologize for any issues that we've had up to now. We're very, very sorry. We want to work with the government now and figure out how to stop this pandemic. It was almost certainly all a show at that time. Now that we're seeing the group is getting in some serious shit for how they've acted, it was probably a show. They were trying to get them off their backs. Unsurprising. Let's continue reading here. The New York Times interviewed former members who divulged that worshipers this is a quote again. Worshippers sit packed tightly on the floor and attend even when sick. We were taught not to be afraid of illness, said Lee Ho Yan, who left the church in 2015. A church leader boasted to followers on February 9th that although hundreds of people had died in Wuhan, China, where the outbreak began, no Shincheonji worshippers there became sick. Oh, shit. So he's claiming that 
they are immune to the virus or or what? I don't know what he's claiming with that because people are actually getting sick like in his compound, like around him when they're coming to their services. They're sick. He can't possibly think that they're immune. He's seeing them right in front of his eyes dying. This is nuts. And isn't Christianity banned in China anyways? I'm pretty sure Christianity is banned in China. They take cults and religion, more generally speaking, really, really seriously. Like, they don't fuck around, China doesn't, with religion. It's kind of sad. There really isn't much freedom of religion in China, and I, I honestly think there should be freedom of religion. But it is a nationally atheist country. Um, even so, I think the vast majority of their members of Chinese people are actually religious. I think it's mostly Buddhist. But either way, um, really, really sad to see this dude rationalizing and lying like this. It's really depressing. God will protect us. We're invincible, says Terry Firma. The Korea Herald reports that the Shincheonji sect caused almost half the country's 11,000-plus known coronavirus cases. But an archived page from the Korea Centers for Disease Control and Prevention claims the correct percentage is 60. That's still an obnoxiously high number. If this cult hadn't been acting like fools like this, tens of thousands of people would still be alive today. I mean, just think about this in the context of the U.S. U.S. cults, U.S. religious groups, extremist groups like the Life Tabernacle Church, for example. I mean, I've, I've been following the goings-on with that since day one, with Tony Spell, the pastor who tried to run that dude over with a bus. It turns out we actually have that on camera, that whole bus incident where he tried to run the dude over. I thought it was Tony Spell's word against the other guys, but it's not. We have it on video, so yeah, I can say that with confidence. Dude tried to run the guy over with a bus and is insistent on being a super spreader right now. It's insane. What do we do? Religion is going to be the death of us. Like, as a species, religious extremists are going to be the death of us. I'm telling you. Anyway, let's continue reading here. Lee Min He, who has apologized on TV for unintentionally spreading the virus, was recently charged with homicide and inflicting injury, as were other leaders of the 240,000-strong sect. It's actually um, reasonably small, all things considered. Mormonism doesn't really kick people off the rolls as vigorously as Jehovah's Witnesses, for example. But last I checked, I think Jehovah's Witnesses have around 8.5 million people. Um, Mormons have around 15 million, I think. But like I said, they don't kick people off their rolls as readily as Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, just trying to provide a little bit of context for how big this group is. I think there are 100,000 Christian scientists. There are around 2.5 million vegans in the U.S., I believe. These numbers may be a little bit out of date, so if you're really curious, you should look them up yourself. Um, and this is only 240,000 people. It's really very small, all things considered. But they're responsible for 60% of the, the country's COVID-19 deaths. Just goes to show you, it takes one week link to bring the entire thing down. Let's continue reading here. P.S. Religious grifters and self-styled saviors often find surprising success in Korea, says the Times. 
As the country has suffered war and deprivation in the past century, 120 self-styled messiahs promising a new world of peace have emerged, 70 commanding sizable followings. Some ended up in jail on fraud or charges or lived in disgrace after the rapture they had promised never came, but their apostles split and spread, rebranding themselves into new sects. Much like a mutating virus when you think about it. That's true. That's true. That's why Richard Dawkins came up with the word meme, M-E-M-E. I think he published that word officially originally. He came up with that word, and he came up with it in his book, The Selfish Gene, I, I believe. He said he wanted a word that kind of sounded like gene, and he picked meme because it sounded so similar. Uh, it's basically like a mind virus is what it is. And in a lot of ways, that's what religion is, for better or worse. You know, extremism like this is a virus of the mind. When we come back, we're going to talk about Donald Trump declaring churches essential businesses. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the next article I wanted to take a look at is by Hemant Mehta, again on the Friendly Atheist website. The title is, Trump Wants Churches Opened Up This Weekend, Even If Christians Get Sick or Die. So let's give the article a read and see what it has to say. Rarely is a politician eager to kill off his own base, but Donald Trump likely thinks promoting the idea of Christian persecution is worth the sacrifice of a bunch of elderly Christians who foolishly attend church this weekend despite the very real threat of COVID-19. Trump said at a press conference this afternoon that he believed churches were essential. They're not, certainly not in the pandemic sense, and that they should reopen this weekend no matter what. If the internet didn't exist, then there might be an argument for people's strongly held beliefs, constitution, blah, 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 whatever. But the internet exists. In my opinion, that's all you need to make churches non-essential. The physical buildings don't need to exist right now. Bringing people together in a physical building is the stupidest, most dangerous thing you can do. Unfortunately, sometimes we have to do it anyways, like going to the grocery store. We have no option to survive, to live. Church services can be held online and you won't die. So anyway, let's continue. Trump said at a press conference this afternoon that he believed churches were essential, quote-unquote. They're not, certainly not in the pandemic sense, and that they should reopen this weekend no matter what. Here's a quote from the White House Twitter account, I believe. Today, I'm identifying houses of worship, churches, synagogues, and mosques as essential places that provide essential services. Nope. Although I'm extremely fascinated that he included uh, mosques in there. It doesn't necessarily surprise me that he included synagogues... Uh, sometimes I think he tries to appeal to, like, the Jewish base or whatever. Although a lot of his followers are pretty anti-Semitic and racist and things, so... I don't know, I, I could see that going either way. But I'm very surprised he included mosques in that list, because he's not a fan of Islam. And 
the people he's trying to appeal to with this move are also not huge fans of mosques. They're extremist evangelical Christians. They're always talking about how evil Muslims are. We just had a brownout in the house. I hope the power doesn't go out. President Donald Trump on Friday said he has deemed churches and other houses of worship essential and called on governors to allow them to reopen this weekend despite the threat of the coronavirus. Today, I'm identifying houses of worship, churches, synagogues, and mosques, essential places that provide essential services, Trump said during a hastily arranged press conference Friday. He said if governors don't abide by his request, he will override them, though it's unclear what authority has to do so. He cannot override governors. Uh, as we've come to discover in recent days, we live in a kind of federalist government, quote, states' rights, unquote. Uh, conservatives have been fighting for states' rights for a really, really long time. Basically trying to, I think Newt, I'm sorry, I think Newt Gingrich famously said, I want the federal government so small that you can drown it in a bathtub. That's what they've been fighting for this whole time. That is the exact opposite of what Trump is doing right now. He's trying to make the federal government more powerful than it is. He has no authority here to say that churches are essential businesses. States decide that, not the federal government. So anyway, he's an idiot. Said that a thousand times on this channel. Trump is just a fucking moron. Let's continue reading. He doesn't have that authority. The people who constantly whine about states' rights don't seem to know how the Tenth Amendment works. It's also weird that the same president who wanted to ban Muslims from entering the country is now pretending to care about their religious freedom. That is weird, right? That is really, really weird. It's really strange to me that he even mentioned mosques. It was a really weird move. He, he I don't know. He, he could have just left mosques out of the equation completely and it would have been assumed probably and it would have appealed even stronger to his evangelical base. It's just a really weird move for him to have mentioned mosques. Anyway, let's continue. For what it's worth, American mosques have, by and large, remained closed during this pandemic because they understand the health risk. Trump also added that we need more prayer, not less, not pointing out that God can presumably hear you from wherever you are, even if you're alone, and you don't need to be in a place of worship for your prayers to count, quote-unquote. It's a really good point. Why do you need to be in church for your prayers to count? Doesn't the Bible say something about wherever two or more are gathered, I am with them? I don't remember what what book, chapter, and verse that is, but I know it's in there somewhere. As it stands, churches that have already opened up have been notoriously awful about following safety guidelines, which is why we've seen many outbreaks at places of worship. And unlike getting groceries, you're not just going in and out as quickly as possible. The pastors who open their doors right now are ultimately putting their own members in harm's way. They don't care. They think this is about freedom because a lifetime of rejecting science has turned following sensible virus protocols into an anti-faith conspiracy theory. And Trump is eager to egg them on because his base is too ignorant to realize he doesn't give a damn about them. When asked where Trump would be attending church this weekend, by the way, he ignored the question. Big surprise. He claims to be Presbyterian. Um, I have to take him at his word, honestly. But deep inside, I seriously doubt that he buys any of this shit. I suspect he's probably just... He 
believes in himself more than anything at all. When asked where Trump would be attending church this weekend, by the way, he ignored the question. Because of course he did. He's not putting his life in danger if he doesn't have to. He's fine with letting gullible Christians do it on his behalf. Since Trump and a bunch of pastors don't care about the lives of Christians, let me state the obvious. Stay home. Worship from a distance. Wear masks if you go outside. Respect social distancing. Consider the health of strangers because it's the decent thing to do. Or, you know, go sacrifice a bunch of elderly Christians to own the libs. I don't understand the strategy, but a bunch of conservatives seem all too eager to embrace it. I agree. I don't understand the strategy either. They're just killing people around them. It's honestly really, truly sad. I wish that we could get through to people, but it's like an uphill battle. Sometimes I wonder if we're ever going to win. Every now and then we get a victory. I think the world is moving in a more progressive direction. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Republican Party as a death cult and the reasons that extremist Christians have cited for leaving the party. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the next article I wanted to take a look at is entitled, Listen to These Former Evangelical Republicans Explain Why They Left the GOP. This is by Beth Stoneburner on the Friendly Atheist website. It's a number of extremist evangelical Christian basically explaining why they left. And I found it extremely fascinating, definitely worth the read. So let's read it and see. At this time in 2019, Amy Sullivan, who works with the progressive Christian group Vote Common Good, asked her Twitter followers to describe why they used to be Republicans if they were formerly in the GOP, particularly those who were also evangelical. Let's read these and see what, uh, what reasons people cite. Here's a quote from Emily. In the end, it was the blind support and almost worship of Trump. I can respect a difference of opinion on policy, not the mass defense of every single horrible thing he's said and done, proclaiming him as God's candidate and falling in line and demanding we all do the same. Yeah, I agree. That's cult-like mentality right there. That is why that type of thing, that's the reason why I call the Republican Party a cult, because of that. Let's continue reading. Next one's from Deborah Cooper Art. The Iraq war was when I first began to part ways. Watching the gross hatred of the Clintons and Obamas through the years soured me, and the 2016 election sealed the deal. I will not be voting for a single Republican as long as Donald J. Trump is their champion. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding the Clintons and the Obamas, like just complete bullshit conspiracies. I don't really know where a lot of these conspiracy theories start. I think a lot of them start with, like, Alex Jones, for example. I think he's started a lot of them. And, and there are some really, really bizarre ones. And then he finds just the smallest little grain, a, just a little nugget that may or may not support what he's saying. He's like, look, see, I was telling the truth the whole time. I was telling the truth. I knew it. You baby harvesting demon maggots. It gets really, really weird sometimes, the conspiracy theories do. Really, really strange. Let's continue here. 
John Kelsey. This is from John Kelsey. Spiritual goals politically. However, behind closed doors, I heard how GOP leadership mocked believers. These people were amoral. They were not conservative for the reasons that I was. They knew they had the Christian vote no matter what. Yep, that's politicians for you, though, honestly. It's not even about Democrat or Republican in that situation. I think both parties do that kind of shit. They both make fun of the people who vote for them. It's really honestly sad. It's very sad. In the end, I just vote for who I think will hurt the country the least. I don't think I'm ever going to get my perfect candidate in office or even up for election in a general election. Uh, I don't see that ever happening, but I'll just I'll continue voting for who I want, who I think will hurt the country the least until I make my way to Canada. Here's the next one. Anna Sharp Williamson, the Republican platform that I valued for the longest was the pro-life stuff. When I learned what actually brings abortion rates down, contraceptive access, sex ed, strong social safety net, it was all over. Yeah, solid. well said. Well said, honestly. It, it's bizarre to me that Republicans, a lot of the time, not only are they pro-life, which, you know, that's a controversial subject, and we can talk about it. I am okay with having a conversation about whether or not the pro-life or the pro-choice position is correct. Like, which one is correct? I'm okay with that conversation. There is merit to each, honestly. But being pro-life and also being anti-contraceptive, anti-social safety net, anti-sex ed, that's absurd. What are you doing? Are you pro-life or not? If you're pro-life... Do everything you can to keep these people out of the situation where they'd have to make that choice. It seems straightforward to me. Not only that, but they demonize things that, that they clearly don't understand. Like the morning after pill? That's not an abortion pill. Why do people call it that? If you're already pregnant, it's not going to work. It only works if you're not pregnant yet. It's basically just a high dose of normal birth control. That's basically what the morning after pill is. It is not an abortion pill. I don't understand where these people are getting all this from or why they're spreading this propaganda. Why? What's the point? Why are they trying to demonize birth control? I don't understand. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Let's continue reading. The experiences may vary, but one theme was still prevalent. People were turned off by the clear disconnect between the values conservatives preached and their own actions behind closed doors. The hypocrisy of the Christian right has never been more clear than it is under the Trump presidency. That character flaw goes beyond religious or political persuasion, but if conservatives and evangelical Christians don't listen, they can expect to shed even more longtime followers. I can get on YouTube and look at my subscriber count, or I can get on Social Blade or whatever, and look at my numbers. Anytime I put out a video with a controversial twist to it, like I'm pro-choice, I can see my numbers go up and down. When I espouse an opinion that not every single person can agree with, I can see some of my numbers go down and some of my numbers go up. I can see my view count go up, but my subscribers go down. I can see my click-through rate go down, things like that. I can watch my numbers change as those opinions are espoused. But when you're on a national stage like this, 
Like when you are dealing with the president of the United States, when you're dealing with political parties and voting, there's no solid way to know. I mean, polls are the best we've got and they're reasonably reliable, but they're no social blade. They're no YouTube studio. You know, they're no Twitter analytics. I just really wish that we had an analytics system that analyzed polls in more detail and I wish the polls were more reliable than they are. My suspicion is that Trump is a lot more popular than we think he is right now and he's probably going to win a second term. So if you don't want that to happen then go out and vote. That's our only recourse. You have to vote. Just for the record, somebody said the morning after pill doesn't seem like a really effective method of birth control. You're right, it's not. It's it's supposed to be an emergency situation. If you're like, "Oh, I forgot to take my birth control yesterday and I, you know, I got into some stuff with somebody last night." you can take the morning after pill and it will um it has a high chance of protecting you from pregnancy it has to be taken within like 72 hours of the event taking place so there's a there's a lot of nuance to it but it is not an abortion pill and if you are pregnant it will not do anything it's not going to help it's not going to hurt it's not going to do shit it's going to be like you didn't take anything at all let's Take a look at some uh, super chats, see what people had to say. Zolfner, I used to be a therapist. I actually can help you with understanding anything in the DSM-5. I went to school for substance abuse counseling for two years. So I understand most things, but it, it it's a really interesting subject. And it's a subject that I've obviously dived into in my own time, considering what I do on YouTube. So it, it's very interesting. It's weird. I don't know one person with COVID. My girlfriend knows somebody very close to her who had it, and they're recovered now. Let's continue reading. I didn't know liberals could. Oh, zing. Ouch. That burns. That hurts my, that hurts my heart. That's sad. Sid, as Trump would say. I want to do a cult. I was supposed to be a pastor. Hmm. You were supposed to be a pastor. What changed your mind, I wonder? Nervardia. Random science fact. There are almost one mole of stars in the known universe. A mole is short form way to say the number 6.022 times 10 to the 22nd, or basically 6.022 with 22 zeros. Move the decimal place over 22 times. That's a lot of stars. That is a whole heck of a heap of stars. I will say that much for sure. Lucifer Lafleur, as a young Jehovah's Witness, were you the type to always thoroughly prepare for your Bible readings on the theocratic ministry school, or did you wing it like me? No, I I thoroughly prepared because I was so nervous for public speaking. Public speaking is just, oh my God, I was so afraid of it. I wanted to make sure everything was exactly perfect. You know how, I don't know what generation, like, what years you were in it versus what years I was in it. But when I was doing it, they'd start you out just like reading like, you know, a chapter in the Bible, like 15 verses or something for five minutes at a time. And then they'd progress you to like more advanced stuff where you would like actually give a full blown talk or whatever. Right. Well, there was a time in my young Jehovah's Witness life when I was reading, doing the Bible reading, like, you know, the 15 verses or the chapter or whatever it was, you're supposed to read for five minutes. And if you're going over your time, 
they would tap on the table with a pen. They go tap, tap, tap to tell you you're coming close to your time. You got to wrap it up. And you're supposed to just kind of read to the end of the verse and then close the Bible, go down. Well, I decided I was too out of time and I stopped in the middle of a word. I didn't stop at the end of a verse. I didn't stop at the end of a sentence. I stopped in the middle of a word. I was like, oh, there's the tap. Boom, close that Bible and climb down. That's what I did. It was kind of funny. I was a little kid. I was like 10 or some other shit like that. But yeah, then I read a whole bunch of that book, that red book that they had. I don't even remember what it was called now. Theocratic Ministry School Guidebook, I think. Well, there it is. I, I did remember it after all. Extremely useful book, man. It talked about public speaking, how to keep eye contact and how to keep from smiling or, or messing up or what to do if you mess up, how to write an outline. It was extremely useful, that book was. Loved that book. Anyway, uh, thank you for the question. Really interesting. The Gatheist, Flying Ugly Cats Kissing. Is that an acronym for fuck? <laughs> is that what that is? Uh, let's see, Zolfner. I don't have the energy to say anything offensive. Today, a bee hung out with me for like an hour in my shoulders. Uh, DM me for the pics. That sounds cute. A bee, huh? Was it just the stinger of the bee that hung out with you? Or was it the entire bee? Because the latter would be very interesting. Owen is too skinny to be president, but if I'm drunk enough, I'll swallow his bad ideas. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Owen's face is birth control. Ouch! Well, that's weird, because I have a kid, so I don't know how that worked. I feel like there's some kind of a weird hang-up there. There's something not quite right about that. If I have a kid. Z Commander 9088 Not unsubbing to you because of an opinion difference. For example, don't really like either that much, but in my opinion, Trump is better than Biden. That's an acceptable, um... Difference of opinion to have, you know, differences of opinion are okay in my opinion. That's just how it is. Nobody on this planet agrees with me on literally every single thing. So if you're going to unsub over a difference of opinion, then everybody should just unsub right now. I'm not going to tear you apart or shred you or make you feel like a piece of shit because we disagree on something. Disagreements are okay. As long as you're okay with discussing aforementioned disagreements, then those disagreements are acceptable in my eyes. Zolfner, gay conversion therapy changed my mind. Changed your mind? You mean uh, Republicans being in favor of it, so you kind of left the Republican Party as a result of that? Uh, yeah, gay conversion therapy is fucking horrific, that's for sure. DM me for the pics, sir. For the pics of the bee. Is it a whole bee or is it the stinger of a bee? I need to know. I'm Republican. It changed my mind about being a pastor. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. You know, a lot of Republicans stand for um, gay conversion therapy, too. It's just something to consider. I'll tell you what. That's where I'm going to end the show for the night. I appreciate you guys coming on and giving this a listen. Thank you for all the super chats. And I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues 
issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel, where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.